Good day, gentlemen. James Marshall here for The Natural Lifestyles, uh, right this way. So here I am in this little town called Penacova, which is right near my property in Portugal. And there's this old hotel here, which is apparently haunted. And uh, it's an Art Deco hotel from like the 1920s or something. And it's built over a 17th century Catholic chapel. Uh, and then it burnt down 20 years ago, or well, the roof was burnt down, and now it's just been left here, and, and here it is. Welcome to the Natural Lifestyles Podcast with your hosts, James Marshall and Liam McRae, where we will be diving deep into the issues of modern masculinity, seduction, dating, lifestyle design, sexuality, psychedelics, you name it. This is the Natural Lifestyles Podcast. All right, so I got a, a short question, which knowing me will have a longish answer. So this is from a gentleman whose name I must not divulge. He says, you've stated that direct is an attitude. Is there a way of polishing it and maximizing being direct so you don't just only come across as uncalibrated? So the statement he's referring to is my famous statement, which is direct is an attitude, not an opener. So when I'm talking about this in, in terms of, of seduction, uh, but way back in the day when there was these divisions between the schools, the indirect, the direct, the scripted, the non-scripted, the uh, St. Petersburg School and the Berlin School, actually it was more like the London, LA and Melbourne schools of seduction. This concept of directness in its early days was misunderstood as being that you run up to a girl and you say, hey, you're fucking hot, want to do it? And by do it, I mean sex. I'm not being ambiguous, I'm talking about fucking. That's direct, right? I mean, that's, that's very direct, and uh, most people would not advocate doing that. There's been experiments where men have tried something along those lines and it doesn't really work. However, if we dial that back a little bit into the rational world and it looks more like, excuse me, wow, you look fucking incredible today in that sequined polka dot dress, I gotta meet you, right? And so that's a direct opener. And my point here being that that's just the start, or that's really just a reflection or a fractal of a way of life, if you want to actually be uh, direct. I can, anyone can learn, like they can force themselves basically as a performance skill or as a, <clears throat> an acting skill to, to walk up to somebody and say those words, right? Almost anyone who doesn't have extreme social anxiety could run up and say, excuse me, I saw you, you look fucking sexy today, what's your name? And they will get some results. Like if you just force yourself to do that 30 times, uh, you'll get a, a, a variety of results from women and some of them will like it. However, you are not pract a practitioner of direct game doing this and you are not, I would say, a direct person. And what I'm gonna talk about now is, is really what directness means in relationship to your life. So this gentleman has asked, how do I be direct uh, without being uncalibrated? And that is a, that is a very relevant and an important question to ask. Because especially when you come from being a man who hasn't gotten what you wanted and has always been in a position where you've used what they call covert contracts to try and get what you want. So the classic nice, nice guy pathology is that he's very friendly, maybe, maybe he's outgoing, maybe he's shy, but he's very helpful, bends over backwards for people, is always uh, you know, attempting to connect people or do favors or be a, a shoulder to cry on or lend money. Uh, or just be a nice person who helps old ladies across, is that how you help an old lady across the road? You just scoot her? I'm really bad at that. I've, there's other videos of me like patting little boys on the butt and now here I am just going, Granny, get across that fucking road. All right, well, however you help grandmothers across the road, clearly I'm not a nice guy. 
okay, nice guys do this, but they don't do all of this stuff, and especially when it's in relationship to an attractive femaleoid that they're interested in, uh, they're not doing all this stuff without agenda. It's good to be kind, it's good to be nice, it's good to be generous. I try to do those things in my life. I have a policy that I give whatever coins are in my pocket to every busker I see. And I'm not saying that as a humble brag, I'm saying it as an as a arrogant brag. No, <laughs> I'm saying that as like, that's part of my policy for life. I just go through it because I like music on the streets and I give that and I don't expect anything back except that the people keep playing. And uh, you know, I'm not looking for something from that person that wasn't, uh, wasn't first outlined in the exchange, which is here buddy, have a coin, keep playing music. Nice guys have a habit of giving in the hope and later the expectation and often the, and the feeling of obligation that they should be getting things in return. And when those, when the, those unwritten and undiscussed deals are not honored, then nice guys get bitter, angry, uh, reactive, sometimes violent, you know, like they, they can react in quite extreme ways. And, and I, don't want, I don't want to be down on, like it's, it's always a bit of a dangerous thing to say, to, to group, be, group people in some category, right? So you, go, you are all nice guys with all the evil that you have inside you that you're masquerading as niceness, I know. Like I know there's multiple, there's many layers to us and complexities to us, but I think if you look at yourself, most people are guilty of this in some way or another, right? I know that there's sometimes that I do things, you know, for somebody with an extra smile, you know, that's hard for me, thinking, you know, maybe that person's going to give me something back. And of course I do that with women in some respects as well. But there are large groups of men who, who that is their primary operating procedure in order to try and get what they want. And it kind of sometimes does work, which is a false positive. So, you know, if you give and give and give and occasionally people begrudgingly give back because they feel obliged to you, it sort of looks like that thing works. Or, you know, if you're in a situation with a girlfriend or a girl you're dating and you're doing nice things for her and then going, oh, honey, how about that? Mm -hmm," Like pointing to your dick, like kind of insinuating that because I would cook dinner and took the garbage out and helped you with your essay that I should get a blowjob. That's a very unattractive position for a woman to find herself in with her man. And this is where this starts relating into seduction. And seduction, again, is not just about the meeting the girl, getting the number, getting to the sex, and now we're seduced. And now we can go back to being a boring, uh, you know, non-perceptive, not intuitive, uncreative dude. No, we cannot. (laughs) Seduction, I I view, if I'm going to continue to spend time with a woman or with a person, I continue to seduce them. Because what is seduction? It's the art of influence. It's the art of making yourself heard, about hearing other people, about connection, um, about making you, you and her feel special in relationship to each other. Why would you want to stop that once you get into bed? That's going to be a, a, a shock and a disappointment to the person on the other side. So my style of seduction is the same as my style of negotiation, is the same as my style of presentation, is the, style, is the same as my style of sexuality. It is direct. And what do I mean by direct? Okay, it's not some words we say. It's not about you're fucking hot or I want sex or give me a raise or whatever you know, the expression of the directness is. It's about uh, clarity about what I want and not hiding that in relation to others. Right? So being direct is the ability to cut the bullshit, right? to drop the, the fluff, to you know, get to the point. Right? These, these are all things, these are all kind of sayings or memes or ideas that we're aware of and, and we can rattle them off. But there are certain people who live like that in, in all ways. 
right? They, they try to, and, and we don't always succeed, of course, Every person who is direct and honest and clear has also lied and also spun bullshit and also been ambiguous, for sure. It's not, I'm not talking about this in an ethical sense, really, or a, or a moral, moralizing, like I'm a direct and honest good person and nice guys are liars, although I think being a nice guy makes you into a liar. It, it, it creates situations where you kind of have to lie because the whole strategy is a lie. And I've said that before as clickbait, nice guys are liars. Uh, and, and they are in the sense that if you're someone that is not able to say, hey, can you help me? Or can you lend me this thing? Or I want that. Or would you like to go on a date with me? Or listen, I know we've been colleagues for three years and this is a little out of the blue, but I actually have feelings for you. Do, we, do you want to do X, Y, Z? Hi, Dad, uh, I've got some shit I need to talk to you about. You know, all of these things, these are, these are ways, this is a way of living. Uh, and some people have a tendency or, or a practice and, and have learned how to face things head on through confrontation, negotiation, through speaking your desires, through expressing your needs and how you need to have your needs met, right? And most people are not great at this, but, but some people have studied or practiced this and the results are huge in relationship to what that means in your life. So first, let's, let's talk a little bit more about what is the consequence of being not direct? Because when a, when a question comes up like this, in a way, this is kind of like a, an academic question, right? He's talking about how do I be more direct and be more calibrated? As if it's like a choice, right? As if we have the choice to decide, okay, I choose to follow the school of directness and, and learn about its qualities and, and uh, you know, perhaps become uh, skilled in that art form and then move on to something else. No, I view it as like, if I don't learn how to be direct and also how to be calibrated because those things are, need to be tied together, then my life will be shit compared to the me that made choice points and learned skills that l allowed me to be more direct. Just last week I was doing a, a private workshop in Barcelona with, with one guy and he was talking to me at, at the end, we spent five days together and at the end he said, man, what you do is incredible because from these few days that we spent together, like I've spent days with all sorts of business owners and famous people and I've done, like this is a, a mover and shaker, a guy who's been, who's high up in all sorts of societies, done all sorts of interesting things, very successful. But he was like, these few days will change my life forever because from now on, there are certain ways of thinking and doing that I will do completely differently. And I know just from the few days we've been together, what the result of that is going to be and how that's going to exponentially stack is going to be amazing. Right? And it's, and it's, it's, and I'm not saying that necessarily just about my information. I'm saying that about finding any piece of true wisdom that is applicable in your life. And wisdom really, like wisdom is not a, a, a form of knowledge. It's not a, a skill set. It's not just, a, okay, cool, here's a better way to knock in a nail than this other way, right? That's a skill set, a technique based around a skill set, based around an, uh, a craft, which, which has application. And if I become a master of it, I can, maybe I can turn that into almost a spiritual quest. But in a way, it's just something I could, I could learn it and it would affect my life, or I could not learn it and I could do something else and it would also be okay. This is not one of those things. Right? This is a survival skill. This is a life skill. This is a critical skill in my, in my uh, opinion. The ability to be direct, to cut the bullshit, to be able to say what you mean, is the, is the skill that will mean that you marry the person that you want to. That Instead of like fuffling around with somebody and half asking and not quite working, you, you get down on a knee and you say, listen, Abigail, I want to make an honest woman out of you. Now, I'm not saying go ahead and get married, but that's a decision, right? The decision to 
cut ties with somebody, to move countries, to go up to a stranger on the street and say, excuse me, I know you're busy right now, but you look fucking amazing. I'd like to meet you. Then the ability to follow that up with, with clear text messages. The, the guy that I was working with last week, I looked at, over his text and, and the problem he had was he had girls on the go and they were chatting backwards and forwards, but he kept saying things like, hey, uh, yeah, this weekend's looking fun, gonna, gonna be a cool party. Oh, you, are you gonna be heading out with, what's the name, uh, during the week? Oh, me and some buddies are gonna be heading to this location over the weekend. Sort of throwing out hints and insinuations that if, if I wanted to go, and someone said, oh yeah, cool party this weekend, I, would have pro- I may have said, awesome, is there a plus one? I'll come. If I really wanted to, if I'm a hot girl with lots of options and some guy's like, hey, I'm doing this, doing this, oh, so what are you doing this weekend? Without ever actually saying, listen, lady, do you want to come out with me or I want to take you out? Then you miss that chance, right? And that's, that's the habit of directness. Before game, pre-game in my life, you know, it's, it's, the, it's, it's like a, an epoch in evolution or something, you know, you've got the Jurassic and the Triassic and this is the, the period of the, the day that I realized that I could go and talk to a girl I didn't know. Before that, my life was still based around women. Everything, if I'm honest with myself, everything I did was in some way related to women, whether it was playing in my band or my social life or throwing parties at my house. Or, these things were all to try and improve my status, improve my social standing and to attract women. And sometimes they did. Sometimes I, sometimes I met women at a, at a party or girls at a party and I played in a band and occasionally met girls through a band which, sorry guys, is not the best way to get laid unless you're really famous, which I never did become famous. And so, you know, these, these, I was getting false positives on like if I did a lot of effort, like through a huge party or ended up throwing big benefit concerts or, or built a band or you know, made friends with this guy who seemed to be good with girls or, or like tried to make friends with a girl who had single friends and all of this convoluted stuff, in some ways it did get some results. And that is the reality of how most men and women will construct their lives and men being the ones that have to hunt and be proactive and, and actually go out there and make things happen, it'll mostly fall on their shoulders. And that's how most men govern their lives. They, if they have large resources or, or a good social connection, they'll try and leverage that. Uh, and if they don't, they'll still try and leverage it in whatever way they can. And the, the dizzying difference in results of back when I used to try and rely on social circle or, or status or, or playing in a band or guys I've met who've relied on money and, you know, buying tables and having villas and fancy cars. Like I've, I've worked with lots of people who've tried that kind of thing and sometimes it sort of works. Right? Don't envy the guy with the Lamborghini and the Rolex and the helicopter who's, sing- who's like really using, tr- trying to use that to get women. Because there are women that will be attracted to that. But they're, there's, they're like a class of women, a very hot, like good gold diggers that just bounce around the world taking stuff off these kinds of guys. That might be fun for a while if you suddenly land in heaps of cash and splash around and girls are using you for it and you're like, fuck it, I don't give a shit. That might be fun for a while. Uh, living in a rap video, but pretty soon that gets old when you realize that that's, without that you have nothing, right? I'm not saying that money and status are not leverage points, they are. As I get more money in my life, I'm able to travel, I'm able to, if I want to go and see a mentor, I just go now. I don't have to save up or think about it. I'm like, Ido Portel, I'm coming to you. This Kung Fu teacher, I'm going there. This business, uh, this, this chance to meet this person, which might be a great business opportunity, I'm there, right? So I'll t- though it's all, it adds leverage, it adds multiplying effects, but nothing makes up for, compensates for uh, your, your character, your personality, your communication skills. And 
I know for myself, I'm able to navigate from the lowest, you know, gypsy busking hippie group on the planet through to the 0.1 percenters, uh, you know, suiting and booting in the fancy locations with the fancy people doing fancy shit. I can do all that and I make adjustments, like here's where the calibration comes in. I'm not talking about belligerence, I'm not talking about arrogance, I'm not talking about being overbearing or domineering. These are not good qualities. And these can give false positives as well, right? So there, I've seen people who are bullies, who are pushy, who are unscrupulous, who force their will. And sometimes they get, if they, sometimes they're also charismatic and they're also kind of strong-willed and clear about what they want. And so those people can succeed for sure, in the short term, I would say. Uh, in that they can slash and burn, they can take advantage of people, they can force their agenda, and they, those people can get through. And sometimes those people are, get so good at this that they make a lifetime habit of it, and they slash and burn and then move to the next field. Right? So usually these people won't have a lot of close friends or close associates, but they may have been able to hustle people in location after location, or group after group. You want to be that guy? Not, I'm not here to tell you how to teach you how to do that. Uh, and I think that those people are usually like a character trait. You know, they're slightly sociopathic. They're very disagreeable in the like five personality traits. You know, they're not, they have low agreeability. You know, high testosterone, very, very out to win, competitive, very interested in the status within a, within a particular hierarchy. So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a more graceful or let's say elegant version of that. When, when you're moving down those things at the airport, you know, the, the, the ones that are flat, an escalator that's flat, which is not an escalator, a flatter that just makes you cruise along, right? And I'm usually a bit late for the airport. And uh, when I get there and I'm running down one of those things, if there's a family there, which there often is, just kind of chilling in amongst that, you know what I do? I charge through and I say, move! And they go, what? and they like startled. And then I lay, if they look at me, I go like this, and then I charge through, right? Now, is that rude? Yes, that is rude by, by the British standard of things, right? In terms of, because there's politer ways I could do that, right? I could say, oh, excuse me, guys, do, uh, do you mind just, just, uh, just popping? Thanks, thanks very much. Oh, sorry about the sorry. If I was British, I'd be like, I'm really sorry. Yeah, I know, I know. No, if I was British, I'd actually just miss the flight, right? I'd just stand behind them. And if they looked at me, I'd be like, oh, sorry. And I'd miss the flight. So is it rude? Yeah, it's kind of rude. But it's not, it's not rude in the sense that I'm not, like, I'm not making personal tax and I'm not saying, you fat cunt, get the fuck out of my... Oh, that sounds fun to do. I'll never get to do that in, in real life. You fat cunt. I'll never get to do that. All right. Anyway, so, so I'm not making a personal attack. I'm not destroying the person's ego. I'm not criticizing them. I'm making my, my purpose, my direct purpose made felt very clear. And I know that it's going to shock them a little bit and I'll charge through and they'll think, oh, he's a bit rude. And that's all right. Right, that's part of the, the, the art of not giving a fuck, is that you will have to accept that some people will think things about you that you don't, maybe don't like, right? Like that's the definition of not giving a fuck is that someone's like, I think you're a little bit rude and you possibly could have handled that in a nicer way. I'm like, I don't give a fuck is my answer, right? Because I know, I know that I've made that decision and there's a, there's a consequence, right? Okay, that person may, may think something about me. If we then sat down next to each other on the plane, I would probably address that and just say, hey man, I, I hope it wasn't too abrupt. I was just in a super rush to get here and I'd release the tension on it, right? If I needed to so fix that. But I don't because that person doesn't think about me for the next five seconds. I haven't caused them any trauma. And if I have, they're a real pussy. So uh, we can just move on with our lives. So, you know, these are like, if you're sitting 
at a cafe and the here is the fine line right like i i worked in as a waiter when i was like 18 and i sucked at it i was bad and i got fired and but i also got a sense of like working in hospitality is hard work and people can be dicks to you you don't get paid very well and it's often not your fault because there's a lot of shit going on and the chef messed up the order and whatever so you know if someone if a waiter messes something up doesn't bring the right thing or spilled something or whatever I try not to be a dick about it. It's that because that is like the ah oh, fuck and look at this piece of shit peasant who can't get this job right. My god. Like that kind of thing. Yeah, that this is me now using my slight level of status or leverage or money sense of uh, superiority to make someone else feel shit and uh, you know to comment on their work as if I could do a better job and so on and so on. So I don't do that, but in Hungary where I live often, the service is awful. It's so bad, it's comic, right? Like in America, I, th- I get freaked out. You walk into a shop and they're like, excuse me, sir, hi, how are you? Can I help you? Is anything I need? Any substitutions? Oh, you want a tuna melt with no tuna and no melt? We can do it, oh yeah. Like that level of service makes, makes me freaked out. I hate being called sir eight times over a cuff, cup of coffee. But the Hungarians do the other extreme where you walk in the cafe and they just keep playing Tetris and ignore you for like 10 minutes. So. Well, I now know when I walk into a Hungarian restaurant, when they walk past me and they, and they flop the, the menu down, if I don't get them now, it's going to be another 15 minutes before I can order some water. So they do that and I say, excuse me, can I get a bottle of sparkling water and a Chateau Rosé Tondeuve 1942? I never order wine. Bottle of sparkling water, thank you. Because I know this dude is going to wander off and grumpily do his shit really slowly. So I have to be direct in that situation to move things along. Guys come up to speak to me at a conference, right? Like I, I walk out, I've just done my speech and six guys will come around and say, hey man, listen, I've got this question, da, 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 and they'll start asking me stuff. And I'm there to help and I like engaging and I'll answer a question, I'll answer a question. And I'm like, I've got to go because of, I've got to get to the next thing. And I'll, and I will bluntly and abruptly, he's finishing and he goes, and one more question. Okay, stop. We can't do another question, man, because I've got to go, right? And I do this kind of thing many times every day if I'm interacting with people. I'm interacting with people through coaching, through my personal life, in my business life. I try to keep it as my, as my mantra and my operating procedure to be direct because I know that although it may be uncomfortable sometimes, uh, it saves me so much of this feeling of all these loose, le- loose ends, right? If there's someone I don't want to do business with anymore, I don't let it fade out. I usually just you know, even if I don't talk to them in person, I'll send them a voicemail or I'll say, hey man, here's the situation, da da da, I can't do this anymore, here's the reason why. Okay, wish you well. If I don't want to see a girl anymore, even if it's casual, like learning the art of breakups is something that no one ever learns. And it's, and it's, a, it's, as, a, it's as important as learning how to get in a relationship. I'm not, I'm not being uh, hyperbolic there. Because the consequence of not breaking up with a girl at the right time can be years of wasted life and then traumatic effects that you carry into baggage that you carry into the next relationship. Liam is the best person I've ever, ever met at breaking up at the right time cleanly. I've seen him do a, a breakup of, in a relationship that lasted over a year and get it done in six hours uh, with all the tears and the, you know, talking it through and, and you know, people, having, people being able to say what they want to say and then being able to process it and move on. He talked, his last girlfriend some years ago now, they were hanging out together in New York and she said this line almost jokingly, right? She said, you know, every year I spend with you is a husband, is a husband hunting wasted year or something like that, is a wasted husband hunting year. And he said, straight then and there, well, obviously we're gonna have to break up, right? Like 
like instantly. And uh, she wasn't like this wasn't just an ironic joke. It, you know, it wasn't. She, there was truth behind it. She had given some hints that she wanted something more serious in the relationship, and he'd made it clear, very clear, that he couldn't give any more than what he was giving. So, she, so when she made that statement, to him it was so vitally clear that it was the time to go because our values have changed because we have now diverged paths. Even if right now it looks like we're together because we're still standing next to each other, we still love each other, everything is the same. No, it hasn't because on a, on a fundamental level we're going in different directions. And in relationships, I've, I've had that before where I've realized that at some point or at some level and then denied it for some time, right? And that's okay, like we all do that. Not, not, not everyone, some people can be really, really clean about it, but we all do that, we delude ourselves that the emotions we have for somebody will override the reality, which is that person is gonna to move to Guatemala soon to become a, an excellent whatever they do in Guatemala. There are, you know, there are realities that we just have to, have to face and we have to reach confrontation points. I love confrontation. Like I'm not confrontational, I'm not walking down the street looking for fights, but I love the process of confrontation even though an individual confrontation may be unpleasant. I love the fact that it exists because it means that things get resolved. Either you come into a confrontation and you explode apart because you cannot reach uh, any kind of compromise or agreement, or you sort your shit out if done well. And there is an art form to uh, negotiating in a confrontational way. Right? And that's something that, again, is like there are some people who just shout at people and are aggressive and the moment something doesn't go their way, they uh, get reactive and are rude and make character assassinations. That's not someone who is, an intelligent, is intelligently direct. I would not say that a person is assertive because in my mind the word assertive means, yes, I'm able to hold my ground, state my place and, and my wishes, right? but I, I understand the responsibility of that as well. Right? I know that I have to earn that. I have to fight for that. I have to make that known. As opposed to the person that is just randomly aggressive or pushy is just expecting that their, their level of entitlement will be met. Right? They're expecting that if I'm standing in line for something and I get all huffy, which all of us are guilty of, right? I mean, I've certainly stood in lines and got, <laughs> don't they know who I am? Uh, I can't believe this. But you know, when you do that and you're humping around and you say, can we move these things along? I did it recently, actually, I'll, I'll admit to one. So I was at a train station in, um, in Lisbon. I was waiting for a, to buy a train ticket and the window was closed, but the guy was sitting there, right? And there was one guy who was dealing with five people, and there was this one dude who was just talking to some lady, and, and they're just sitting there. And in my mind, because I know exactly what's going on in their life, and I know how this business works, they're just sitting there chilling, ignoring me to my face, which may not be the case, but that's what it was. And so when I got to the window of the other guy, I leant in, I said, you guys are having fun in there, relaxing in there? And then they, and they went, huh? And then the guys in the line said, hey, tranquilo, relaxo. And I went, <laughs> and I stood there and I realized how foolish I must have looked and felt because my harumphing didn't change anything. I didn't know, I don't know what the situation is. I don't, maybe that's his break. Maybe he doesn't work there. Maybe he is being lazy, but I didn't know enough to be able to harumph about it. Right, so we all do that kind of stuff. I'm not in my power then. I didn't show that guy, right? I didn't hit him with a zinger. And sometimes I think people think, the idea of a confrontation is to hit with a zinger. Sounds so dorky when I say that, right? You gotta hit him with a zinger. That's the point of an argument when they say, oh, where were you the other night? I'll say, well, what about them shoes? So anyway, it's not to like one up them. 
you can do that and I've done that sometimes where I've won you know I've got I've hit them with a zinger or someone's hit me with a zinger and you're like okay yep you get this little thrill but it doesn't really it doesn't help to resolve anything uh, you know you look at a soap opera whenever they have a confrontation it's always someone says well I found out that you were spending all evening with Mildred and they just leave it there and then they and then they walk out right so they 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 deliberately create a, a moment of like tension and unresolved dissonance and then they walk out right and that's that's something that people will do also in relationships they just say the thing fuck you you do always do this and then they walk out uh, or they stay and fight it out you do this and the other person says no you do this you do this and then you don't get anywhere right so how do i how do i calibrate my calibrate my confrontation well, here's a couple of things that I've learned over the years because I have to confront people pretty regularly. I'm the boss of a huge corporation, no, 15 people. So, you know, I have a company and uh, I have a complex life, dating life and personal life. So I have to talk to people and sit them down. So here's what I do. And, ha and firstly, have I done the opposite of these things? Yes, to all of them. So if you know that I was hypocritical about one of them, write that in the comment. Criticize in private praise in public someone once told me actually the person who told me that was someone who I'd criticized in public and he didn't like that now he deserved that but he, I took the feedback which is that if I you know if, if there's a group of people for whatever reason I'm in authority or I need to talk to someone with me in my friendship group if I do it in front of other people and I do it in an aggressive and um, accusatory way that person has only two choices capitulate completely like as if they're you know in chairman mao's china with ever with the red guard sitting and haranguing them and they just sort of sit there and go yes i'm a dunce yes yes so that they can either do that or they can fight back and say fuck you no right that's basically their two choices neither of those are going to give us a good result neither of those actually resolve the problem so if i do it in private then at least they're not reacting to the bystanders secondly rather than accusing people and saying all right the other day you did this right even though that may be true, right, they may have left the stove on and burned the house down or they may have done the thing, it's still not a great way to start a confrontation, right? It's still going to lead to the person trying to defend themselves. Uh, they're going to feel under attack because they are. So it's better to say, okay, listen, so I want to let you know what happened for me. Or if it's an event, then I say, I want to talk about the, the house burning down the other day. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, so I want to talk about the fact the house burnt down the other day. From what I can see, you did that. You lit that on fire. I can, I'm basing that on the fact that I was filming it on my phone at the time, right? So can you tell me why you did that? <laughs> that would be a better way to do that, right? Because what I do is I'm like, all right, there was an event. Let's talk about it. From my perspective, here's what happened. Or I saw you do this, or I've heard this. Or when, when you said this to me the other day, okay, let's say I'm with a girl and, and I say, hey, listen, uh, I want to talk about when we, when we were out the other night with my friends. Right, so I'm talking about the event. And uh, you know, when I was talking about my project on my farm, you, you said, haha, yeah, it's a cute little, little hobby farm. You suck at farming, <laughs> whatever. Right? So she said something belittling to me about my farming abilities to my close friends and that, that offended me, which I don't care about, but that's my example. All right, so I said, okay, so when you, when you the other day when we were hanging out with my friends uh, and I was talking about doing the farm, what you said when you said you da 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 da, this made me feel not good, right? This to me is like kind of emasculating. And when I'm with somebody, like doesn't matter if it's serious or not, I am always respectful of them around their friends and I expect the same in return. 
So I just want to know what was going on for you then, if that's like it was just a slip up or if, or uh, do you think this is relevant or what your thoughts are on that? But if I'm dating a girl and uh, over the first half a dozen times we hang out, I notice that if we're in a public space, she has a tendency to belittle me in some way. Not, not like, okay, we just like someone teases someone and once we made a joke at someone's expense in a, in a good natured way. That's fine. That can be part of banter. That can be, that can be cute. And it can show the person can show that the person is actually noticing you if they're noticing your idiosyncrasies. Like I was dating a girl a while ago. She came to visit me at the farm and we ha I have these little scooters, you know, like not electric ones, old school ones. And we were scooting along the country road and she scooted ahead and said, come on, old man, and scooted ahead. Right now, fuck her. How detonate? <laughs> uh, that, that was not a meant in offense and I didn't take offense. And it's just a fun, you know, okay, yes, I am older than her and I am an old man in relation to her, but I'm not, if, if I was like 65 and couldn't work, walk, she wouldn't have, she probably wouldn't be fucking me and she probably wouldn't say that anyway. Right. So that's the kind of thing that just shows I can like, it doesn't even register. It's just, it's just a joke. It's fine. However, if I'm with a girl and she's needling, she's these, these nasty little comments, knocking things down, contradicting things I'm saying. I've seen, I've seen people in relationships, guys and girls, into that five, ten years down the track, and it's horrible. It's a horrible thing to see because you know that this passive-aggressive woman, usually, that in my experience, but it can be the man, just prodding and probing at, the, at the, the dude and the dude just taking it and taking it and deflecting it and then he becomes sarcastic and then they have this banter, you know, which look, sometimes that they, they almost are proud of it, like this ironic, uh, scathing banter of each other, cutting each other down constantly. Or the man or woman just capitulates and just takes it and, and, and then goes off to the shed to get away from the nagging woman, that kind of cliche. That is the fault of the person that didn't set the boundary back in the first half dozen dates. Seriously, seriously. Boundaries are hard to set later on, right? It's like hard to let a whole bunch of people into your country and then try and set a border. It's hard to, you know, let someone have free range to let them do whatever they treat you in whatever they want. And then a year down the track go, <clears throat> hey, you know that habit you have had for a year? I want you to stop that now because it's always offended me. It's your fault for not explaining that. Yeah, it's a bit their fault for being a bit of a dick. Right? because some people won't treat people in those ways. But I've said this before, and I'm not the only person to say it, people treat you the way you train them to treat you. They have tendencies. They have little, you know, someone, someone could have a sociopathic or a, a tendency or a tendency to take advantage of someone or the tendency to just talk about themselves all the time, right? Like some of these things are kind of benign. Some of them are, are very dangerous, but they're qualities that are kept in check by the person's self-awareness and the boundaries that other people set around them. So I'm very, very clear with my boundaries now. I have just a whole bunch of deal breakers. If someone shakes my hand and doesn't look me in the eye, I, I say, hey man, good to look someone in the eye when you shake their hand. I always do that. I don't care how rich or important they are. You know, like if I, if I need to get through a space, I just get through the space and I will shove through and I'll say the sorries as I need to, but I won't be British about it when there's something I need to talk to a girl about, and there's always something that you need to talk to a girl about, usually. <laughs> but, there's, but there's definitely, what I'm trying to say is that the girl will usually not tell you, hey, there's something that we need to talk about. Just because, you know, I'm saying you should become a better communicator doesn't mean she's going to be a better communicator. Women in general, I've found, are often better at talking about their feelings in real time, like how do I feel now? 
uh, men, I'm not great at it and I have to really like dig inside myself and like analyze myself to be able to access motions and express them, which is a, an ongoing skill that I'm learning and, and you should too. So definitely people can have tendencies to take advantage of people when given the chance, but it's really the person who is taken advantage of that allows them to do that. Now I'm not saying that there are not real victims in, in the world, there are. Sometimes you don't have the ability to resist or the ability to know that someone's trying to fuck you in a complicated way. But in a situation where you start dating a girl and she's exhibiting behaviors that you, you don't like and uh, you're getting resentful, then you need to start looking at what is your, your hand in this. And here's another reason why confrontation or directness is so beautiful is because it will cut people out of your life that shouldn't be there. All of us have wasted months, years, and sometimes decades with the wrong people, whether that was working in the wrong environment, whether that was in a romantic relationship, whether that was uh, parents or siblings or family that were toxic. And we've spent, sometimes we didn't have choice growing up, but often we have by choice spent years and you know, sometimes eight hours a day or, or, or all night or living with the person, large chunks of time with someone who is treating you badly in some kind of way. Right? And so the effect of, and that, they, they didn't do that on day one necessarily, but they gave hints on day one, definitely. And those things tend to, those roles grow very, very quickly. People can get trained into roles within, within a few sentences, actually. Right? Like if, if uh, someone comes and tries something on me, I don't know, they're just, they're just rude or, they're, or they try to do some kind of frame game, I'll call them out right there. I'll say, like an example, I was teaching with a student the other day and a guy saw us and came up to us, right? And he came up to the student and he said, hey, and it was very weird. He said, hey man, you were talking to girls over there, right? And, um, and I walk over and, I, and right away I'm thinking, okay, is this a white knight guy who's going to say, you can't talk to girls? And so I don't know what's happening yet. And, and, the guy, and the student's like, yeah. And he's like, so what happened? Tell me what happened. Now, I don't know. Is he curious about pickup or is he trying to say, you, you can, thou shalt not approach girls? So I, so I did this. I said, excuse me, stop for a second. Can you please tell me what is the outcome you're looking for from this conversation? Right? Because if, if you're trying to figure out, like, is it okay for him to talk to girls, like people have done throughout all of human history, then it is, but we're not sure what's going on. So tell me, what are you trying to get out of this conversation? And then he said, oh, well, I just want to know how did it go and did it go good and, and how did you do it? And I realized in that moment, okay, he's asking out of curiosity. And I said, okay, cool, man. Well, yeah, what we're doing is blah, 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 blah. This, this, this ability to be direct in that moment cut what would have otherwise been a waste of time. Uh, like we are constantly bleeding time and attention uh, and focus and energy into areas that don't yield. And that is part of being human, right? Like if we sow a garden, 15% of the plants won't grow, right? Like that's even if we prepare it perfectly. Part of life is, is putting effort into things that don't yield results, right? Rolling the dice on something and losing. You cannot, you cannot protect yourself from that completely. And if people try to, then, then you actually can tip over into a point where you don't succeed because you're not taking the right risks, right? So that guys that don't take the basic risk to their ego of going and saying hi to girls don't get to date girls except through social circle, right? Whereas, the, you know, someone who is completely re reckless and outrageous and always gets wasted on Fridays and then goes up to every girl in the club and is like, hey, babe, blah, blah, he may get no, nowhere either. The person who is able to take risks shut down areas of life that are, that are 
sucking from them, that are vampiric, these people have so much more resources to put into success of all types. I, I know that I probably wasted like a year and a half of my life in the tail end of relationships that weren't good. I can live with that. Year and a half out of my 40 years, let's say out of my 25 years of being actively sexually active, that's okay. I've met guys who've, it's been 10 or 20 years where they were with the wrong person. You know, I've had, I remember a student saying, oh yeah, well, you know, when I first got together, I mean, it was good for the first year or so. And then I'm like, how, hang on, how long were you together? 19 years. So the first year was good. And then you stayed for another 17 years after that. And I, you know, that kind of guy, I mean, I have to say whatever I have to say to make him feel good. All right, okay, what's past is past and we'll da da da. But what I really want to say is, you're a fucking idiot. Dude, you're a fucking idiot. You wasted 18 years of your life. And I can't say that. I mean, he might figure it out. In that moment, that's not going to help him. But that is the reality, right? And so if you're at somewhere along that sliding scale, there's, okay, there is no point in screaming that to yourself except as a wake-up call, right? And, and then in that case, it is, fuck, I've wasted four years of my life with this, with this girl, in this job, in this addiction, doing this, not doing things that I want to do. And you really do need to look at them like years. They're like bits of your body. They're parts of your life. There's only, you know, 60 to 80 to 100 maybe of them that you're going to get and to waste. And how many of them are usable? Zero through to 15. You're not really fucking unless you're super cool or super unfortunate. So, you know, you've got 15 to 40-ish plus-ish when you're, you know, sexually able to procreate and don't maybe don't have kids and not stuck saddled with a complex job and mortgage and all that other shit right so the the active years to be like meeting women to be pursuing your goals to be entrepreneurial to be taking risks to be fucking traveling the planet to be seeking out the mentors that you really want to seek out how many years do you have to do that in 10 20 maybe right for a lot of people it's way less so wasting one or two or five is not okay Right? If you've done that in the past, it's not an option anymore because the result will be excruciating regret on your deathbed. I, I don't know exactly what that feels like, but I can imagine. Right? And I think in the, it's not just the last day either. It's leading up the last 10 plus more years of your life as you realize, uh, that's it. It's not getting any better than that. I really did miss my chances because there is a point where that happens. Right? Like I'm, a, I'm a great advocate of like, if you start now, in most things, you'll be able to become great at them, okay? I can't become an Olympic level gymnast right now, probably at this point in my life, but I could become a pretty decent gymnast, you know, if I dedicated myself to that for another, for the next three years. So dedicating yourself to being direct, I think is worth the investment of, no, it's not, it's not one, again, it's not an option. I'm not even presenting this as a, here's a thing you should try. It's like, do that or live a shitter version of your life. Of, because people, because the, the, the unending tragedy and disappointment of the nice guy is that people don't care about you and they won't just come and give you shit for free. That is, that is life, right? And it's not the only truth, right? Okay, like when we say a Buddhist truth, truth like all life is suffering, it doesn't mean there's, I mean, there's enjoyment happening in that suffering, right? There's still life happening, there's still pleasant things, there's still orgasms and rainbows and lollipops happening as well 
but overall the process of human life involves suffering, which is what, you know, what the Buddha is referring to. And when I say this, <clears throat> I'm not saying you will have every minute of your life will be miserable. I'm saying there will just be dozens and hundreds and thousands of times when you had to take a choice point to be direct or indirect, and you took the indirect one and so you missed out on something. You walk down the street, if you're a single man wanting to meet women and you, and you see 10 of them and you didn't talk to them, you missed out on 10 possible timelines of, of romance and, and relationships and, and, or even just growth that comes from being rejected, right? Someone who is direct is an expert at being, at being rejected. They have to be. You have to be because you can't come out of the womb direct, firing direct and hitting every shot. Right? You, you, you learn to go for what you want and ask for something and then have someone say, no, can't have that. Right? Like I've, I've had guys who've come to me multiple times and asked for a job and I've said no for various reasons and then eventually they've gotten through. You know, I've, I've done it myself and seen it many times where I've sort of gone, oh, hey, to a girl in a half-assed way and then gone, oh, fuck it, run back, got in front of her and said, what I wanted to say was, and then made it happen. Right? So it's, it's not that directness is the cultivation of perfection. It is not at all. It is the opposite. Perfection and perfectionism is your enemy. In, in, I believe almost every aspect except maybe some extremely pure, precise science. Right? Maybe an area where only mathematical perfection is acceptable. Maybe that's where you need to strive for it. But in almost every, and like building buildings, like engineering and shit, stuff where, where things will explode or fall down if you don't get it perfect. But organic systems are not perfect. Gardens, ecosystems, human relationships are not perfect. They are in flux and change. They're testing things out all the time and then making failures and then changing directions. You know, like a plant grows in a direction and it grows into the shade and that bit dies and it, and it failed, which, which then sends the tendril pointing in another direction, which seeks out success, right? That's the way that I try to view life and I use directness as my rudder. Right? It is the thing that directs me in terms of like what day to day, moment by moment, what actions do I need to take? Well, I need to take the ones that most directly reveal my agenda, my desire, and move me towards where I want to go. Sometimes I don't know that exactly, and so I might be a bit vague, but as best as possible, I'm trying to be direct. The alternative sucks. You've already tested it out, and I want you, if you're someone who knows that you're not very assertive, Think back over the last week. You'll only need to think back, maybe even only one day. But think back over a week, and you can journal this and go, how many times did I not state my desire? And they can be little things, like as I was saying with a waiter, right, you're at the coffee shop, you're standing in line, and, and they didn't give you the thing you wanted, and, and instead of me reactively, which is what the nice guy does eventually, explodes, you know, it's like, I've come to this coffee shop every day for months, and you should know by now that I'd like it with honey, not sugar, right? When, if you do that, the, other, the hipster behind the counter is going to be like, dude, <laughs> he's, gonna be, he's not going to give a fuck. And you haven't made a good point anyway because it's not his fault. He did a bad job once and you could have corrected him. He bad, did a bad job eight times doesn't mean that he's eight times more culpable for it. It just means you didn't correct him, right? So after the first time, I say, hey, listen, um, I, like the, I like my coffee a little, not, not quite as hot. Uh, it'd be good if I could have that next time. <coughs> then I've repaired the situation. Or the guy deliberately makes it extra hot and looks at me like this, in which case I know, cool, fuck you, buddy. We now, I'm not going to come to this coffee shop anymore. 
it's an easy, it's kind of like a, an amoeba, just like moving through a petri dish and finding something that's like good and staying with it. And if it's not good, it bounces off it. In, in, in some ways, this makes life much simpler. I can cut someone out or I can cut them out certain levels in my life by being direct. And sometimes I can, I can salvage a relationship that a nice person wouldn't salvage because I can, I can see that the person's has a flaw or has an area, has a boundary that they're not willing to respect, but maybe we can create a different relationship, right? So it's like, uh, you know, I've had things with friends in the past where I realized that I couldn't really trust them with money, not because they were stealing, but just because they were bad with money. And if I lent it to them, it was going to take months and a year to get it back. And it was going to be a hassle, right? So that, that friend, I might say, I have said in the past, okay, this happened and they finally pay me back. And then I say to them, listen, from now on, don't ever ask me to borrow money ever again. It just doesn't work for us. I want to be friends and I'd rather keep you as a friend than like lose you over some amount of money. So just don't ask me again, right? I had one friend who I thought about hiring for a long time as a coach. And I said to him, because he was really good at, he was very good with women and I think he would have been a good coach, but he was also just a bit unreliable with timing and a bit of a drinker right? Like not in an awful way, but I could see that it probably would affect things. And so I said to him, Hey man, I've thought about bringing you on board, but again, I really, really love you. And I want to keep you as a friend. And I think that if we did got into this type of relationship, we'd probably end up in a situation where I'd have to fire you and it wouldn't end nicely. And I don't want to do that to us. Right? So because of, because of my ability to be direct and say something that was maybe uncomfortable, rather than going, oh yeah, cool, let's do business together and, and just sort of let it happen and then find myself in a situation where I then have to go, okay, now we have, I have to fire you and now we're not friends anymore. I'd rather keep the friendship by being direct and setting a different, a different level of relationship that I'm willing to, to operate on. You're allowed to do this. You're allowed to do this with everybody, including your parents. And that might be terrifying or like not seem, to some people that won't make sense. To others, they're like, yeah, I know. I told my parents to shove it years ago. But I work with guys, some who have very overbearing parents, maybe very conservative or religious, or ones who have a clear, very strict idea of what they think it means to be a man or what it means to what job they should do or how much time they should spend you know, looking after their parents and so on. We're not living in Confucian societies. You do not have a filial obligation to your parents till you die to look after them and do everything that they want. Uh, most people don't anymore in the Western world. They just have parents and then they hang out with them when they want to. But a lot of guys I work with feel very obliged to their families. And sometimes they just live their life purely for their families. And this is another one of those, of those things. If I do that, if I sacrifice my autonomy in my life to the family, to the family, uh, or to what I would, just to please anybody else, again, I've wasted my life. Again, well, it doesn't mean I won't have some pleasures and some enjoyment from that. And maybe my, I'll get a sense of satisfaction from my dad going, good on you, son. You did exactly as I told you and didn't deviate one inch. And now I don't think you're a faggot. I think you're a good man. <laughs> maybe you'll get a satisfaction out of that. But I know for myself that wouldn't be enough of a satisfaction to do exactly what my parents wanted me to do, which they didn't want me to do anything, luckily. So in conclusion, you're going to have to take this on board. Because once you've seen through the veil of anything, once you've, you've permeated your ignorance, we're all ignorant in many, many ways. You know, I'm very ignorant about how these roof tiles are made. I don't know how they're made. Once I learn about the process of how they're made, I can't unlearn that. 
can't forget it really. I might, I might forget some of the processes, but I'll remember the general, this is how a tile is made. Once you know that directness is way better than subterfuge, way better than ambiguity, way better than politeness and niceness, you can't go back. I mean, you can, you can go back in your behavior, but you'll know that you're, ah, I should have said that. Ah, I should have spoken my mind. Ah, uh, of the stairwell. Now I'm thinking about, you know, uh, I'll do it next time. Uh, I should really resolve things. Uh, maybe I'll avoid it. Uh, maybe he'll get the idea or she'll get the idea. Again, now I'm bleeding time. I'm bleeding attention. I'm not getting what I want because I'm not being heard. And I'm waiting in this vain fairy tale hope that the rest of the world decides that its mission in life is to give you what you want and to make it really easy, which it will fucking not. You have to go and take it. Yes, in a calibrated way. Not in a, not in a, I don't think, in a, not in a greedy or rapacious way. One thing I know is that the best way to get what you want is to make sure everyone around you is getting what you want. And that is done through direct, direct negotiation of some sort, right? I have strange relationships where, where I'm in business with people that I'm also friends with, that I'm also collaborators with on creative projects, that I'm also financially, personally involved in, like all sorts of, that I train with. Right? And so there's all these different layers of relationships and it would get very messy if we weren't able to negotiate and be clear on the boundaries of each one of them. Those who are direct have less mess. Those who, who are direct are polarizing. Yes, some people will like you and some people will just not like you. And usually people will like you a lot if they like you and they may dislike you a lot if they dislike you. And if that's something you're uncomfortable with, you're going to have to learn to deal with that. I am so okay with that now. I'm not okay if, you know, my mother decided she hated me or certain people in my life. I do, I do give a fuck about a lot of people and I care about their opinions of me and, uh, you know, I care about following the law and, you know, the basics of like, okay, maintaining good relations. But I don't care about what anyone in this village thinks about me standing up on their haunted hotel ranting and raving. Although I do actually, I'm interested to know, curious to know what they're thinking. <laughs> uh, but I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck about what a passerby thinks when I'm talking to a girl. Uh, I don't care if that girl likes me or not. It's not that I don't care about her, or like, a fuck you, I don't give a fuck about this chick, I think I'll leave it. You know, I don't, I just, like, she's a human being. Her response, I don't care about. I'd like one, and I'd prefer not that one, but I don't mind, right? Therefore, I'm bulletproof when I'm in that state, right? Because when I'm willing to take hits, when I'm willing to, to be direct and fail as, as a result, then I, can only, then I can only transverse and move forward. The other way of doing things means I keep on like boxing myself into a smaller and smaller maze, right? As every time I come up against a stimulus that's uncomfortable or a situation which I should confront or an array of uh, environments where, where I should learn how to feel comfortable and navigate through them, but I don't. I just keep on closing these walls of this rat maze in on myself until all I do is walk from here to the office to the three friends I know to, the, to my gym and that's it. And that's how a lot of people do it slightly bigger, slightly smaller versions. But that comes about, not from just a decision one day to just lock yourself in a bedroom and be alone. It's all those little choice points. Do I choose direct or do I choose to hide? And every time I choose to hide, I make my cage smaller. Thanks so much for listening to the Natural Lifestyles Podcast. Check us out on YouTube at The Natural TV. See you on the next episode.